Welcome to the Valley Brook Community Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us online today. You're about to hear a sermon from our authentic Becoming an Acts 2 Church series. This series looks at several things the early church embraced that we can devote ourselves to today. We hope you find this podcast meaningful. We'd love to hear how God is touching people's lives. Just go to our website at www.valleybrook.cc, select contact us, and send us an email. At this time, we're going to release our children ages four through grade eight to go to their classes over in our children's ministry wing. Well, good morning, everybody. It's good to see you here. Thank you. Thank you. We are in the midst of something unique as a church. We're in the midst of what we call 21 days of prayer. This is day 15. We started on the 1st of January and we're going to continue uh, for 21 days. So we'll end next Saturday. Um, If you haven't been here, you've missed just a great opportunity to start your day off in a very unique way. We've, We've sung some. We've had somebody present a devotional to us. We've just had some free prayer time. And maybe you saw some of the bulletin boards, the blackboards when you came in, if you came in the front lobby. There's two blackboards up there, and we've been inviting people on Sunday and throughout the week to put their prayer request on one of the boards and put the names or the initials of the people that they're praying for for salvation so that we as the body of Christ can band together and we can pray for one another. So uh, today, as you leave, I would encourage you to go back through the lobby. And I encourage you to do two things. Uh, if you want to put a prayer request up there or, or put uh, the in- initials of somebody you'd like us to pray for their salvation, then please do so. Take time to participate in that. And take time to pray over those boards while you're there. And then I'm going to give you a challenge because we're going to be at this for the rest of the week. Monday through Friday, we're going to meet here at 6 a.m. And then on next Saturday, a little kinder, gentler time, we're going to meet at 8 a.m. And then we're going to conclude this 21 days on Saturday night with a potluck meal and worship service. So so you're all invited to participate in that, and we encourage you to. But, But here's my challenge. I know that many of you have tomorrow off. It's Martin Luther King Day. So I want to challenge you to start off your day with prayer and and join uh, the group of folks that have been gathering here at 6 a.m. And let's uh, spend that that day, uh, just the first hour of that day in prayer. I'm also holding a prayer journal. You can pick up prayer journals along beside the blackboards in the lobby. If you haven't picked one up or if you have, I encourage you just to to pick one up for the week because if you can't join us at 6 a.m., that's okay. Take the prayer journal that has the scripture and the topic for the day that we're praying about and just spend some time reading it and even journaling uh, what God may be saying to you about that. So, so we're excited about that. Now, we're in the middle of this series that we call Authentic, Becoming an Acts 2 Church. And, and throughout this series, we've been looking at one verse. It's sort of what we call our theme verse, Acts 2.42. And Acts 2.42 says this, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. We've looked at some of those, and we're going to look at all of them this month, and I encourage you to to listen to the ones that you may have missed. They're on our website, and I encourage you to come back for the others. Uh, Today, we're going to be uh, looking at this. An Acts 2 church uh, devotes itself to honoring God's Word. So today, we're going to look at that, and each week, we've looked at that because the, the early church, in its infancy, sets an example for us today. 
And so I, I fondly refer to what we read that happened in the church in Acts 2, 42 and following as the Acts 2 church. And our desire is to lean into that life that the believers had. And so I'm excited about that, and I hope you are too, and I hope you will lean into it also. So in preparation for this message, I invite you to bow your heads, and I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And Lord, we know that when we listen to your word, when we study your word, when we memorize your word, whenever we look at your word, that it will not return void in our lives. So, Lord, I ask that you would work in us today, that you would give us ears to hear the things that you want us to hear, and then you will give us eyes to see how you want it to be lived out. And we pray this in your name. Amen. As I was thinking about how the early church devoted itself to the apostles' teaching, to God's word, uh, I, I thought about how... Um, you know, many of us really love books, and we like to read. You know, a lover of books is called a bibliophile. And uh, I, I ran across something that was uh, in the news recently, and, and it just struck me. I think many of us have been following what's going on in Syria. We've been praying for that, that, that civil war uh, that's been raging on for, for six years. It's been horrible. It's been tragic. And, and I encourage you to continue to pray for peace there. But in the midst of this, uh, I ran across uh, an article from a BBC reporter that talked about in a uh, suburb outside of Damascus, a, a little town called Daria, uh, there were people who were going through the rubble from the war and they were pulling out books and they had created a library and they had housed this library in the basement of a, of a partially bombed building. But people heard about it, and they came. And some of them came just to escape the ravages of war. But some of them came to uh, aspiring dentists, came to learn how to uh, extract teeth or how to do a fill, filling. Uh, people who wanted to learn how to care for the wounded because many of the doctors left came and they would have books. And they, many of the people would actually go out foraging for books to bring back to the library instead of foraging for food. And this continues to go on because they realize that those who are left behind have to carry on. And I read this quote by one of the people there, and it just it sort of blew my mind as I read it. He said, this person who uses that library says, in a sense, the library gave me back my life. This is somebody in the middle of a war zone. I would say that just like the body needs food, the soul needs books. Books motivate us to keep on going. We want to be a free nation. And hopefully by reading, we can achieve this. You know, so our prayer needs to be for the people of Syria. And we need to pray that there will be peace and do whatever we can to work there. But, but that... That amazing devotion to books in the midst of war just, just caught my attention. And, and it struck me because, you know, as a, as a citizen of this country, uh, as a follower of Jesus, uh, I, I have a lot of books. And I have a lot of copies of Scripture. And it, it sort of challenged me about their life or death commitment, their, their life or death devotion to books in general, that just convicted me about my devotion to 
the most important book uh, to the Bible, to Scripture. And, and so when we look at chap, Acts 2, 42, and it says they devoted themselves to God's Word, and that's just amazing when I think about what the first century world in Jerusalem was like compared to our world today. They had a lot of things to deal with that, that those of us who, who live in this country will never have to deal with. But they devoted themselves to God's word. And so let me just unpack it for a minute. What, what did they mean by, by the apostles' teaching? Well, the apostles' teaching, uh, quite, quite literally, was what the apostles had learned from walking with Jesus. You know, he had taught them in parables. He had taught them direct lessons. He had instructed them what things meant. Uh, he, he had explained to them things like what the greatest commandment was. He had given them the great commission. He, he had uh, taught so much to them. And so that was part of the apostles' teaching. But not only was it that, it, it contained the Old Testament. And then we understand that um, as the church began to grow, some of the apostles, uh, John and James, and then the apostle Paul began to write letters as the church began to spread out from Jerusalem. And so those letters, they're called epistles, became included in what the apostles taught. And even it was the teaching already, and they put it in written form. But, but at some point in the life of the church, the apostles who had walked with Jesus on earth also needed to write down what they had seen and heard him say, that they had been teaching verbally, because some of the apostles were dying. And they realized that maybe it was possible that, that they would die before Jesus would come back. And so the, the, the apostles' teaching was written down in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then Luke also wrote the history of the church in the book of Acts. And, and so we have all of that for us. And it's, it's so important for us. And, and that's what the apostles' teaching is now. Collectively, we understand that it's, it's God's Word. It's Scripture. And... Uh, just think about that. The, you know, the early church was devoted to it. Uh, to be devoted to that first meant that, that they would want to know it and let it be reflected in their lives. If you go back to the rest of chapter 2, and I encourage you to do it at some point in the book of Acts, you see how it, it began to permeate their lives. Uh, they weren't just devoted to being students of God's Word. They were devoted to letting God's Word transform their lives. And they changed the world as the Holy Spirit came down and, and created the church. Uh, I, I think about that, and, and I'm reminded of a psalm. We'll put it on the screen behind you. It, it's Psalm 1, and the first three verses of Psalm 1 really sort of illustrate to us this transforming power of God's word. It says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in the step in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Now, we understand that the law of the Lord is, uh, is God's word. It, it's scripture. And, uh, 
you know, the, the challenge there is that this person used it. They meditated on it day and night, and it transformed them. It, it says that uh, they're like a tree planted by a stream of living water, and, and whatever they do prospers. That's because they're not just reading God's word, but they're allowing God's word to transform their lives. When it comes to God's word, though, I, I think Christians can be divided into one of three categories. Uh, the first category would be this, you know, they believe in Jesus, but they're not devoted to God's word. They don't read it. They don't study it. They certainly don't memorize it. Uh, they don't apply it to their lives. It's, yeah, they know that the Bible is God's word, but, but they don't do anything with it. So they're not devoted to it. The, the second category could be this. It's Christians who are, who are partially devoted to it. Now, now remember, I'm speaking in generalities, so I'm going to just be very general here. They're, Christians are either partially de- devoted to God's word, fall in one, who are partially devoted to God's word, fall into one of two categories. Uh, they are either deep and narrow in their devotion to God's word or they're shallow and wide in their devotion to God's word. So let me, let me unpack that. Deep and narrow Christians, they love Bible studies. Uh, if they could be full-time students of God's word, they would be. Uh, they can never learn enough. Every new exciting tidbit that they can learn about God's scripture excites them. Um, they are in the word, and the word is in them. But... The application of God's word in their life never gets past being a student of the word. Their biblical knowledge runs a mile deep, but their application of God never of God's word never gets out of the theoretical and into the practical day to day of of living what God's word means. What about the other? Uh, one. Uh, on the other hand, it's shallow and wide Christians. These Christians are, are doers. Uh, the degree to which they devote their time to reading and studying God's Word is minuscule compared to their practical application of God's Word into their Christian living. Yes, they know the, the major tenets of Scripture, like the Ten Commandments, the Great Commandment, the Great Commission, but they don't take time to, to understand the essential doctrines of the Christian faith or to meditate on Scripture or, or to, to study it in deeper detail. Their knowledge is an inch deep, but their deeds of applying God's word is a a mile wide. So on either side of this knowledge application spectrum, they're Christ followers who are, they're unbalanced because they're, they're partially devoted to God's word. They either study it all the time and never apply it, or they, they, they do it all the time, but never study it. Um, the final category would be this, deep and wide. Uh, deep and wide Christians are devoted to God's word in its fullness. They're fully devoted to studying God's word, and they're fully devoted to applying it. When they study, they learn, and when they learn, they apply. So where do you fall in that spectrum? Deep and narrow, shallow and wide, or deep and wide? Wrestle with that. An Acts 2 church is devoted to God's word. It's depth and it's width. Acts 2 followers of Jesus need to be devoted 
to God's word in its depth and its width. Here's the second thing an Acts 2 church should do. An Acts 2 church speaks the word of God truthfully. When you read the book of Acts, you see that the Acts church relied on God's word and they proclaimed it truthfully. The Apostle Paul oftentimes talked about God's word and its truth and he talked about the traditions. He meant the teachings of Jesus, the Apostles' teachings. Here in the second book of Corinthians, we read about how he spoke the word of God. Beginning in uh, verse 1 of chapter 4, it says, Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. So they didn't distort the word of God. They, committed, uh, they commended themselves to, to sharing it and speaking it and teaching it truthfully with a clear conscience. So, so setting forth the word of God truthfully was a hallmark of the Acts 2 church. The Acts 2 church did not soft pedal the word of God. They didn't avoid the uncomfortable parts of the word of God. They didn't try to explain away the scripture that called them out in their sin. They spoke it and followed it truthfully. Last week, I spoke about one section of scripture. It's from the Acts chapter 5, the first 11 verses. We're not going to show it, but, but if you read that scripture, it's, it's a challenging scripture. It's a, it's a, um, uh, 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 something that happens in the life of the church that's both frightening and confusing and, and it takes some commitment to figuring out and ultimately what you discover is that it's about the, the commitment to truthfulness and honesty that the early church had and it's a sign to us, a reminder to us that, that we need to take God's word head on and dig into it. Speaking the truth of God's word means that not only will we speak it out truthfully, but it also means that we'll live it out truthfully. Because, you know, it's one thing to say it, but it's another thing to live the truthfulness of it. Speaking the word of God truthfully means we accept its truth for our lives and we bring it in and we apply it to our lives. So we have to ask ourselves, do do we believe God's word is truthful and do we apply it to our life truthfully? If if we're going to speak it out truthfully, that implies that not only do we speak it truthfully from our lips, but we let our living reflect that we're living, that we're following the word of God as we speak out it in truth, we live it in truth. Now, let's do a little experiment. You know, consider the uh, Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments are these, and I'll just recount them. They'll be on the screen behind me. You shall, not, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in any form or anything or worship them. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. You shall remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You shall honor your father and mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not covet. These are the truthful words of God. 
We need to speak them truthfully and we need to live them truthfully. If we're going to be an Acts 2 church and Acts 2 Christ followers, we need to speak and live his word truthfully. Now, I suspect if I asked you if you believed that the Ten Commandments are, are true, we probably everybody would raise their hands. But I also suspect, because we're fallen human people, that if I asked you if you lived all of them truthfully, we may not get the same response. If we're going to speak the word of God truthfully, we need to, to live it with our lives. That means we need to not just say what we believe, but we need to live what we believe. Uh, in the book of Hebrews, it tells us that uh, uh, God's word penetrates our souls, and it judges our thoughts and the attitudes of our hearts. So if we're going to speak God's word truthfully, then we need to let the implications and the applications of it be lived out truthfully. That's how we honor God's word. That's how we devote ourselves to God's word. It's not just something that we say, hey, wow, that's really good to read. It's something that we let affect how we live our lives. Dr. Rosaria Butterfield talks about this in her own life. She was a tenured professor at Syracuse University. She was an English professor and admittedly didn't believe in Jesus. She felt like that the whole, uh, the whole story of Christianity was just a big meta-narrative to justify a way of living. But she came to faith in Christ through the gentle witness of some Christians and after her conversion, she, she had an encounter with a counselor who, who wanted to talk with her, wanted to meet with her, and she shares about that in some of her writings. She said, you know, I met with the counselor, and the counselor asked her to change her message on one of the social issues that she was uh, speaking about and, and saying that it was inherently wrong. And uh, Butterfield said, well, what do you want me to change about my message? And she said, well... I want you to change your message and tell people that this is just your opinion that this is wrong. And she responded by letting the counselor know. She said, you know, I'm not smart enough to have this opinion, but this position comes from God's word. And it's inspired and God's word upholds it. It comes to me, she says, from the historic Christian church through the pages of Scripture on down to me. And then she went on. She said, I told her that changing my message would involve denying the plain meaning of Scripture, uh, the testimony of the church. It would involve denying the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And it would involve denying the gospel. Butterfield's experience and her story give us a powerful illustration of what it means to believe in the truthfulness of Scripture. She said, you know, if I deny the truthful application of God's Word in just one area of my life, then I'm denying the truthfulness of all of God's Word. And if I'm denying the truthfulness of, of all of God's Word, I, I'm denying the truthfulness of what God has done in the witness of His church. And if I'm denying... The truthfulness of God's word, not only am I denying all of Scripture and, and what God has done in the church, but, but I'm denying the, the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, 
And I'm denying the gospel. You see, God calls us to believe his word. And he calls us to speak it truthfully with our lips, but with our lives. And this means, yes, there will be difficult things in Scripture that will be hard to understand, that will be hard to reconcile with the culture that we live in, that will be hard to to understand in, in relationship to other people who don't believe it. But as followers of Jesus Christ, we're called to be devoted to Scripture and its truthfulness in all of its way. That means we'll, we'll stay committed to, to understanding it and ask God to give us insight in how it applies to our lives, even when it means things are challenging, even when it says things that are quite difficult for us to embrace, even when it challenges us on our lives and our actions. And Acts 2 Church is devoted to God's word and is devoted to speaking it truthfully. So not only is it devoted to God's word and devoted to speaking it truthfully, and Acts 2 Church is devoted to speaking it boldly. Speaking it boldly. In the fourth chapter of Acts, there's this amazing story where the apostles, a couple of them have been imprisoned and the church has gotten together and they prayed for them and they've been released. And when they come back, uh, they begin to pray. And uh, in the face of persecution that, that, quite honestly, could cost them their lives, they prayed that they would speak the word of God boldly. And we come to this verse Verse 31 in chapter 4, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God boldly. God answered the prayer almost immediately. Folks, we're not supposed to be ashamed of the gospel and that means God's word. We're supposed to speak it boldly. Now, I, I need to say something. Speaking it boldly is not speaking it abrasively, all right? Some of us sometimes think boldness is abrasive. It's not abrasive. If you go back and you read the book of Acts, you'll see that the apostles, when they spoke boldly, they sensed the Holy Spirit's guidance in the right time, in the right place, in the right context to speak it. And when they spoke it, They spoke it boldly, but they didn't use it as a club to hit people over the head with and make them feel bad. They used it to testify to Jesus. And people heard that. And yes, sometimes it was convicting and sometimes it did confront them and help them deal with their sins and it challenged them and sometimes it made them angry, but it wasn't because of the way it was delivered. It was because... They spoke the truth of it boldly. As followers of Jesus Christ, we need to ask the Holy Spirit to make us sensitive to when and where to speak the word of God. And when the Holy Spirit says speak, speak it boldly. Because there's a reason that the Holy Spirit is calling you to do that. Read through the book of Acts, as I said, and watch when and how 
the apostles spoke. You know, this required them to be open to the Holy Spirit. This required them to be obedient to the Holy Spirit. And this required them to be devoted to God's word. They knew God's word so they could speak it, so they could share it. So often when the apostles spoke, not only did they tell the story of Jesus, but they quoted scripture because they were devoted to God's word. The Acts 2 church was devoted to God's word. They studied it, but they also applied it to their lives and lived it. They spoke it truthfully and they spoke it boldly. To be an Acts 2 follower of Jesus, we need to do the same thing. We need to be devoted to God's word. And you know, unlike any other time in history, we have so much opportunity to be able to read it. Look, if you don't like to read, you can listen to it now. If you have the Bible app on your phone, you don't have to read it. It'll read it for you. Uh, you know, you can, if you've, you can have literally hundreds of physical copies of translations of, of God's Word. So there's really no excuse for us except our devotion. What are we devoted to? What are we devoted to? I believe when we look at Scripture and see what the early church was devoted to and we seek to be devoted to what they're devoted for, God will do amazing things. He will shake the places where we live. He will change our lives and the kingdom of God will grow and we will be transformed and others will be transformed. There's no coincidence that we have this record about the early church and what they were devoted to. We need to be devoted to it too. So this morning, I want to invite you to do something a little unique. Um, If you have a a copy of Scripture with you, or if you, like me, oftentimes uh, read Scripture uh, from your smartphone, or if you don't have a phone, that's fine. I'm going to invite everybody just to, to hold their hands out. And if you've got that smartphone that you read scriptures on, go ahead and hold it. If you have a Bible that you're, you brought in today, just hold it with open palms. Because we're going to pray and we're going to ask God to speak to us and help us be devoted to his words. So just with open hands, let's pray. Heavenly Father, We desire to be devoted to your word like the early church was. And Lord, we are grateful for all of the ways that you give us your word today. We can listen to it. We can read it. We can have it on a a smartphone or some other electronic device. So, So it's before us so freely. And we want to be devoted to it. Lord, we confess that we haven't been that we haven't let you speak to us from your word, that we have not had ears tuned to your word. So Lord, forgive us. And now, Lord, I pray that you will draw us to you to hear your word, that that you will wake us up to to go and and read your word, that you would... uh, Wake us up earlier in the morning than normal. And, and when we do that, when that happens, Lord, we won't say, wow, that's weird. We'll, we'll say, I'm going to go read your word, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see what you're saying to us. 
And I pray that we wouldn't just study it, but we would apply it to our lives. That, that we would be devoted to it completely. That we would let you have your will and your way through your word in our lives and it would change us, that it would transform our lives. It would transform uh, the kind of uh, spouses or parents or children that we are, that it, that it would transform the kind of students, kind of employees or employers, uh, the kind of uh, people that we are as citizens of this country. And Lord, you tell us that your word is living and it's a double-edged sword that, that cuts both ways and, and it uh, transforms our lives as we let it. So Lord, we're confessing that we haven't and we're asking you to let your word speak to us, change us, draw us into it, show us things that we've never seen and challenge us to apply it and to live it. So Lord, we commit that to you this in Jesus name. Amen. As we leave here this morning, the challenge is to go out and be devoted to God's word. So uh, if you want to pray with somebody after the service, prayer team members will be out here. If you go out to the cafe, connect with somebody and talk about how you want to be more devoted to God's word. Now receive the blessing. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forever. Amen. Go in peace. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. It's our sincere hope that it has blessed you. For more information about Valleybrook Community Church, please visit our website at valleybrook.cc.